a favor? Why don't you turn to someone next to you, give them a fist bump, say good morning, say, you look so good today. You look good, brother. I love it. Good deal. Good deal. Hey, we believe about uh, being a family here at The Grove, and so if this is your first time visiting with us, man, we are so excited that you've chosen this place to be your house of worship this morning. Um, and if you don't know who I am, I'm Pastor Roland, the associate pastor here at The Grove, and we have been walking through a series in the book of Ephesians entitled Child of God, and we've been answering two questions. The first one is this, who are we in Jesus? And if you are new to the book of Ephesians, that is Paul's intention as he writes this letter um, to the church in Ephesus. He describes and explains uh, the wonder, the glory, and the amazement um, that we discover and find in Jesus. Um, And the second question that we find that's answered in the book of Ephesians is, how do we now live out that new identity? In light of who Jesus is, how do we live out that identity? And that's really what we want to focus on here this morning. But before that, let me just kind of go over a couple of housekeeping things. After service, I want to encourage you, if you are a member of the Grove, stick around. Just real briefly, we're going to have a special called meeting uh, just to discuss uh, some church business, some vision, and some future that will be happening here soon. For those of you who need to uh, get home to get your Father Day uh, barbecue going, number one, don't forget to invite me. Uh, And then number two, (laughs) we're going to give you an opportunity uh, to do that. So uh, I encourage you to stick around if you're uh, you're able. Also, I I just want to share with you, I mean, just, just a beautiful blessing that took place this past week. If you've been at the Grove uh, for a while, you know that we are all about rejoicing with those who rejoice uh, and weeping with those uh, who weep. So about two, two months ago, maybe even uh, more than that, um, the Beardsley family um, started uh, attending our church. And I had the opportunity to visit with them, had the opportunity to sit down and, uh, and hear uh, David and Kim's story, just how the Lord has worked in their life. Um, I heard the story on how David came to know Jesus three months prior Um, And it was just beautiful, and it was amazing. And if you were here last week, um, then you saw um, David and his family um, just profess their faith in Christ and a desire to lock arms uh, with the Grove uh, as members, uh, pending baptism. If you didn't know this about David, uh, David was suffering from colon cancer, and it was terminal. Uh, And so uh, this past Thursday, um, he, uh, he went to the hospice nursing home in Alice, and it just... His health just declined rapidly. Uh, He had expressed his desire to be baptized. And so the Lord's timing works out perfectly. And so um, Kim messaged me, his wife, uh, letting me know his situation. Uh, And so uh, David Goggin, one of our servant leaders, and myself were able to go visit with the family. And we were able to baptize David there at the nursing home. And it was was beautiful. It was amazing. And I think David, uh, David Goggin... um, Man, he, he, just, he just said the perfect phrase. He said, it was just mutual rejoicing uh, and weeping. Uh, and uh, this past Friday, uh, David went to go be with the Lord. And so uh, we rejoice for God's timing uh, and just the opportunity to have that experience. And so would you just join me in offering up just a praise and gratitude for God and his timing. David's wife and family is here with us this morning, and so we're just we're grateful for him. Uh, Kim, we love you. Our prayers are with you guys, and so we're glad um, that David had the opportunity to experience that before the Lord called him home. So we just believe in sharing that with our church family because we are able to rejoice in those moments and lift up the name uh, of Jesus. Because it's all about a new identity, isn't it? 
It's about experiencing newness in Christ, being made a new creation. And so really what we learned last week, we had Pastor Danny, a good friend of mine, share with us out of Ephesians chapter 4, in that first portion, uh, about how important it is to let go of our past. If we're ever going to walk in the new identity that Jesus has given us, then what we need to do is we need to let go of our past. And so often what we find ourselves doing is we are living in our past. And I love this, this quote that we, uh, that we heard last week, that our past is not a place of residence. Rather, our past is a place of reference. We don't live in our past. Rather, we look back in our past and we're able to see how God has transformed us, what God has saved us from, and the habits and addiction that God has brought us out of. And that's the beautiful thing about throwing off the old and walking in the new identity of Jesus. And we had a really good illustration. My arms are still sore uh, from it. Jesus takes the weight of our sin and our past and he frees us from our burden. And so we had a really neat illustration. And so Danny, he, he, 80 pounds is what it was. I had to hold 80 pounds of weight up here on stage, and it got really heavy. And so the idea was, I mean, the longer we hold on to our sin, the heavier it becomes and the more it weighs us down. But what Jesus does is he takes the weight of our sin and the weight of our past, and he sets us free from our addiction. And he sets us free from the evil that once ruled our life, and he frees us from its burden. And what I love about Ephesians chapter 4 is the natural transition that it takes us through. And so if you're anything like me, you're all about action. You want to know what's next. You identify a problem. You identify a circumstance. You identify something that obviously needs fixing. And you want to take steps forward. You want to move in the direction of the solution. Well, this is what we find in Ephesians chapter 4. We know what the problem is. We know that the problem is our sin. And we have a sin problem. And what we need to understand is that everything that is wrong with the world is simply a symptom of a deeper issue, and it's the sin that reigns and rules in the hearts of men. And so what we find in the Bible all throughout the Old Testament and New Testament is that Jesus is the solution to our sin problem. Jesus is the one who left heaven and came to earth to free us from our addiction, to free us from the evil that rules our life, and not only that, to offer strength and power so that we can walk in transformation. And so what we find as we continue to dive into Ephesians chapter 4 is we see that there is intentionality about leaving behind our past, about walking away from our old identity and embracing a new identity as new creations and with purpose to walk in a manner worthy of our calling. And so what we will accomplish this morning is if you've been around for all 14 weeks of our walk through Ephesians, then by the end of this morning, you will have read with us the first four chapters of Ephesians. And so what we want to do this morning is we want to answer this question. What does it look like to walk in a new identity? Because I think if we're not careful, what ends up happening is we have a come to Jesus moment and we walk in our salvation experience but we begin to look at Christianity, we begin to look at our relationship with Jesus as more of things that we shouldn't do. We begin to look at Christianity, at the church in general. We begin to hang out with other people and we feel that our relationship with Jesus or that Christianity as a whole is nothing more than a list of rules or set of commands that we need to follow. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, we've all kind of been at that point if we're not there now. We look at Christianity, we look at the and what we think is that it's simply these things that we're not supposed to do. And if that is your idea of what Christianity is, then you have a false view of what actual biblical Christianity calls us to do. 
We have all experienced this at some point, I believe, but when we take the time to see Jesus for who he is and understand Christianity in light of what the Bible really says, you begin to realize this, that Christianity is not just about the things we're not supposed to do. It's not just about the sins that we're to leave behind, but it's also about the new life that we're supposed to live. So not only do we step away from the sins and the addictions and the habits that once ruled us, but we also take steps forward in this new identity with Jesus. So we not only leave our sin behind, but we begin to walk in and towards holiness and righteousness. Because here's what we understand. Holiness is not just saying no to sin. It's saying yes to God. And that's what it looks like to walk with intentionality. I love 1 Peter chapter 1 and how it lays it out. Therefore, preparing your minds for what? For action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. Don't walk in your old identity. Don't continue to live in your past. But verse 15, as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. So what we find is when our life has been transformed, when we've experienced newness in Christ, we are called to walk in that new identity. And living out our new identity involves replacing sinful habits with habits that are holy, righteous, and ultimately point others to Jesus, which is what I love about Matthew chapter 5 and Jesus as he is going about the Sermon on the Mount, when he challenges and commands and encourages his followers to continue to shine the light before the world. So when they see our righteous and holy living, when they see Christ living in and through us, what will they do? They will recognize that. They will see a difference. They will understand that we are no longer living according to our old identity, but something has changed. There's a difference. We've been made new. And because we've been named, excuse me, because we've been made new, say that 20 times really fast, right? Been made new, been made new. Because we've been made new, there's recognition and realization from those around us. So they give honor and glory to our Father who is in heaven. Now understand this. Holy and righteous living is not anything that we can accomplish in and of ourselves. In other words, apart from Jesus, holy and righteous living is an unattainable, an unattainable standard. It is only through Christ and empowered by the Holy Spirit can we walk in holiness and towards holiness. And get this, we're not there yet. We still fail, we still fall short. Our journey looks sometimes like this. We take three steps forward and two steps back, or we'll take five steps forward and five steps back. But the goal is to continue to press into and pursue Jesus so that we can make him famous and continue to proclaim his gospel and advance his kingdom around the world. So as we live out this new identity, we replace our sinful habits with holy and righteous habit and walk in accordance with what the New Testament declares in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, that it is no longer I I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the reason it is Christ who lives in me, because I have been crucified with Christ. I have died to my sin. I've been resurrected to new life in Jesus. And as he is living in and through me, it is giving him honor. It is giving him glory. And with my life, I am proclaiming to the world that God is indeed real and eternal. And in our passage, you'll notice that Paul, he'll state a sinful action. 
And then he immediately follows up that sinful action with a righteous and holy action. And understand that this is the point, that our old sins are replaced with righteous living. So let's dive into Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 25. It says, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. So if you love practicality, you love a call for action, this is what we find here. The answer to the question, how do I walk in this new identity? Well, what we have happening in Ephesians chapter 4 is a clear layout of what that looks like. Now, understand this. Now, this is not an exhaustive list of the sins we need to put away and replace with holy living, nor is this an exclusive list of the sins we need to put away and the things we need to walk in for holy living. What that means is these things are simply a picture that is painted for us and for the people at Ephesus at the time of what they need to step away from and what they need to walk in if we're going to continue to show people that Jesus is living in and through us. So we're going to do a little illustration this morning. I'm going to throw a picture on the screen, and I want you to answer this question with me. What do these people have in common? Anybody? They're all in uniforms. And what's really neat is by simply looking at these pictures, you don't have to know who they are. You don't have to know their background. All you simply need to know is the clothes that they are wearing. And by what they are wearing, you can easily determine what they are about, what their purpose is, what their job is, what they're living for. And likewise, though we may not wear physical clothes, there is righteousness that we put on that shows the world around us who we are, what our purpose is, and what we are living for. While we don't have physical clothes, we read that we have put on righteousness. And because we have been made new, there remain some practical things that we can walk in that really become the uniform that we wear. I love the parable as told by Jesus in Luke 15 about the prodigal son. If you're not familiar with the prodigal son, I'll kind of give you a Cliff Notes version, a quick summary of what that parable is all about. So you have a son who goes to his father and demands his share of the inheritance. Now, we may not think that's a big deal, but in ancient Jewish culture, that was huge. That was equivalent to saying, I don't care about the family anymore. Matter of fact, I wish you were dead, dad. And so what I desire, what I want, is that you give me my inheritance right now. And we read in that story in Luke chapter 15 that that's indeed what the dad did. The dad gave his son his inheritance. And so the child, he leaves his home. He leaves everything that he knew. He leaves all the traditions and standards that he was raised in. And he goes to live a reckless or prodigal life. 
He lives a life of sin, a life of chaos, a life of evil, a life of habit and addiction. And he takes everything that his father gave him. He takes his share of the inheritance and he spends it all. And he finds himself homeless with nothing to his name. And so he takes a job feeding pigs in a pig pen. Now, again, we may not think like that's a big deal. We may think, well, that's honest work. But for a Jewish man in ancient Jewish culture, even today, that was a huge no. You see, the Jewish culture has standards. Standards such as this. You don't associate with any unclean person or you don't associate with any unclean thing. Because what you risk in association with them or those things is you risk becoming tainted and you risk becoming unclean as well. And if you were an unclean Jewish person in ancient Jewish culture,